0: Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the
1: stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time.
0: Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out,
1: but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose.
0: Hey, Mead, how are you? What's up? How's everything going? It's
1: good. We're getting ready for all the things over here. The holiday season is upon us.
0: All the things. I think probably when this airs, the holidays will be in our rear view. We will have survived the holidays. We will have survived the holidays. I thought that it would be fun today to talk about what... And this is actually a perfect one because if this is airing in January, all things being well... Maybe you gals are doing a dry January or it's your first crack at like, you know, staying alcohol-free. And so I'm sure you get this question just as much as I do. What do we tell our girlfriends? What do we tell them?
1: Yes. What do we tell them when we are stepping into our alcohol-free life and we want to keep doing the things that we enjoy doing and that's the beauty of this kind of methodology. And what we do is that you don't have to stop doing the things that you love doing. You can still go to the parties and still go to the social events, but as anything that is new and different, it takes, you know, like a prepping for it. Like, what are you going to, what are you going to say? Cause people ask questions, right? Like what are some of the questions or how do people ask you, what do people to say to you when you're like they offer you a drink or what are some of the responses you give?
0: Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it was very much like there was more pushback. And I really do believe that if you answer the question confidently, you get less pushback. Don't you think? So like in the beginning, I was like falling all over my words and I would say stuff, you know, like, oh, I'm driving. But then you get, you know, friends that are like, oh, well, you can leave your car here and get an Uber. (laughs) Right. Did that did that happen to you, too?
1: Yeah. So the times that I took the breaks before I found freedom from alcohol, for sure, that was, it was like when I was in that place of wanting to drink, but not wanting to drink and trying to navigate that, it was really hard to come up with a reason that, you know, that you could give that people wouldn't, to your point, kind of give that, you know, push back to. So having that plan, that confidence, you know, way of saying it is so, is so, so good. But then once I found freedom from alcohol, I was the person that became the, like, I want to tell everybody about why I'm not drinking. I came out hot and I came out kind of preachy and I do not recommend, I do not recommend that at all. But it's like when you're excited about something that you've learned about, something you've discovered, this new way of living. I mean, it was so exciting to me. I wanted to share. So I loved when people asked me, So there's a difference when you're alcohol, like we've talked about this before, the difference between being alcohol-free maybe and still feeling some pull to alcohol or, you know, having freedom from alcohol. And so I think different responses potentially even for both of those. So, yeah. So if we're just kind of stepping into that life of alcohol-freeness, it's having that set, like, confident, like yeah, you know, I, I'm taking a break. I, you know, I'm trying to see what it looks like to live without alcohol, see if I feel better. I'm not getting much sleep or what were some of the other ones that, that you've heard that, or you've used.
0: Yeah. So I actually just did a post on this today. And so these are my favorite. These are my favorite that like, we they're really good because you don't use an external circumstance. Like I'm driving or I'm on an antibiotics or anything like that. Like nothing that You can leave like open for someone to like fight you on the actual circumstance, I guess. Right. And the other thing, too, is like as Christians, like side note, I really don't like I really just don't like love the idea of like lying. (laughs) You know what I mean? Obviously. So there's so many people that are like, just say you're like running a half marathon or something. And I'm like, that's not me. So these are some of my favorites. I'm taking a break. Alcohol doesn't make me feel good. I want to get a good night's sleep tonight. I'm focusing on my health at the minute. I realized I don't enjoy drinking. That's a good one. I'm done with hangovers <laughs> and um, yeah, I am much more relaxed when I don't drink. I think those are all really good ones. but like let's be clear exactly what you said. I came out hot too, and I came out so preachy. <laughs> my very first social situation with like a like a you know a bigger group of people was a barbecue, and I <laughs> I think I've told you this story before, but I got there and I literally started telling everybody that alcohol was going to get them cancer. And let me just tell you, <laughs> that is not the way to make friends. And that is not the way to convince people that alcohol-free living is the way to go. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's the, uh, yeah, the don't do what I did kind of thing. This is how yeah. we know that it doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, Exactly.
0: But what was your, first, when you said you got like loud and <laughs> preachy, what did you do? Tell me what you did.
1: I, yeah, it was just, I I mean, I've done this with other things. But I, like I can think about like, there was a time that I was really into these like protein shakes, these meal replacement protein shakes. And it was the same kind of like, I wanted everybody to know about them because they were amazing. They ma- They helped me, you know, have more energy. So I thought, and I felt better. And when you feel better, I think that also, you know, Shows and how you show up, and so I I liken it to like that time. Like I get I get passionate about things that I'm excited about and wanting to share that. So it really comes from a loving place. And also, I had felt so I felt kind of duped. Like how did I not know about all? How did I not know that alcohol is ethanol, and ethanol is what we put in our gas tanks? How did I not know that? And so. It's it's one of those like it from that discovery standpoint, it's like, oh my gosh, like people need to know this because I didn't know and I like you know, I, I would want to know, but when you're at a and you know, I was free from alcohol December first, second of twenty nineteen. So going into the health so I had these holiday parties, so I had lots of practice with no, um, you know, my favorite thing is to say, like, someone's like, do you want to drink is to say, yes, I'll have a, or no, I've got my own. I was, I was good about bringing my own stuff. Groovy makes really good dry secco that is delicious. And so I ordered those and I would take those to things. And so it was an easy way to just say, no, I've got my own. If people asked what I was drinking, then I would tell them and eventually it got to being able to say just like alcohol doesn't serve me anymore. I'm much happier without it. But I think the prepping, knowing the what you hit on exactly, like the confidence in what you're saying and being able to I mean, say whatever you want to say. Like I'm not a fan of personally like, you know, lying, but do whatever you want to say, just have a plan for what it is and I think that helps a lot as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I totally I totally agree with that. And I think that as you get more confident, how long, that's what I was going to ask you. How long do you think it was for you where you went from like, kind of f- like, I don't know if the right word is floundering. I certainly felt like I was floundering, floundering to confident. Like what, what do you think that time frame looked like for you?
1: Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. It was definitely several months of being, you know, just repetition, just like with anything else, the more we practice the, you know, the easier it gets. But what I didn't realize was how coming out so hot, like wanting to tell everybody about this, that definitely put a little bit of distance for a little while, there was a time and that was an opportunity for me to be like, Oh, wait, okay, like what's happening here, and then kind of come up with a with a new angle, which was, you know, the more Like alcohol doesn't serve me anymore. I could drink right now if I want to, but I don't want to without desire. There's no reason to drink. And so it it became, it was a more organic, you know, kind of thing. And eventually it's, you know, people, people just know now and it's, and it's fine, but it is interesting. This is what I think is so interesting is that, you know, you can tell somebody that you're not eating gluten or you've cut out dairy and it's not a, nobody really thinks twice about it. But when it comes to saying you're taking a break from alcohol or you're free from alcohol, or you don't, you don't drink. When I say I don't drink, people look at me like, Wait, what do you mean you don't drink? I can say it proudly now for there was a time where I was a little more unsure about it. I wasn't as, as confident. What about you? How long did it take? <laughs>
0: Yeah, after I asked you that question, I was trying to think of the answer for myself. And and I don't know. Like, I definitely, I feel like a lot happened for me. And I don't want to freak anybody out because I know a year sounds like really long. But I think a lot, like, fell into place for me at a year. I don't know why. It was just it, for me arbitrarily somehow like making it like a year, being really like still not having the desire at a year. I definitely like found my stride. And I noticed that like when I would be at a restaurant, I would order so much differently. Like I would f- confidently, without even thinking of it, be like, "I will have this mocktail." Whereas before, I would get a little bit like flustered, of like, "Is some another girl at the table going to say something?" But I think that just when you, when you get really, really confident in your decision, and you know too. The tides are turning; that the, they are changing. Like I don't think that when I first, I don't, I don't think I know that when I first moved to England 15 years ago, there weren't mocktails on the menu, right?
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, I I remember the first time I saw an alcohol-free wine. It was an alcohol-free prosecco on a menu in a kind of like a remote little kind of bed and breakfast in place that I just would, the lat, like I would expect it in town and Atlanta and some of the, you know, city, city bars or restaurants, but at this little remote. And I was like, and this was, I think 2020 or 2021. And I was like, wow, this really is, uh, you know, starting to reach other places where it's pretty standard now to have a mocktail kind of list on things. I think at this point,
0: Yeah. And I always tell my clients to, like, just if you're like, it doesn't hurt to check the menu beforehand, you know? And like, if you can, like, so many places have their menus online. And if that's an option, like, I did that in the beginning too, where like I knew what mocktail I was going to order. So it took all of the pressure off. And then I always had some sort of backup, right? I always had a, cranberry juice with sparkling water, you know, soda, water, whatever, and a lime. And so it was like a very easy, if there was nothing on the menu, like something to say. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's interesting how I, like when I was drinking, how I would never have ordered a cocktail. I was always the wine, I would go straight to the wine list, but, but now I look forward to even, even if there's not a mocktail list, I look forward to looking at the cocktail list and creating my own without, and just yeah. so without alcohol. And then a lot of times I just cut whatever it is with soda water, you know, and that gives, if you're interested in, you know, having, trying something new or different and it, you know, having that kind of fun and exploring a beverage that has all the benefits of, you know, the good sleep that comes from it and, you know, and everything else. That was a fun, that's been a fun way for me to do it. And so now I've kind of like landed on a, there's a mule on the menu. That's, that's where, even if it's not technically a mocktail, I just tell them to hold the liquor and add some soda water. And and what is it a mule again? I forgot it's ginger beer, right? this is a funny story. Oh my gosh. This is a funny story. So when we I was, have,
0: we have a mule story, ladies and gentlemen, we, we do. A story. It
1: just, it just <laughs> came to me as I was, as I was saying this, when you asked me what it was. So we went out to dinner with some friends and this is right when I was like, okay, like these mules are good, but like, you know, virgin mules, I, c- I can do this. And I, or the first time I ordered it, it said ginger beer. And I, t- I told the guy, I was like, but you know, replace the ginger beer with something. Cause no alcohol. And was like, <laughs> so, so, so what, what do you want? want? And I was like, well, no, like I don't drink alcohol. And so like no <laughs> liquor, no ginger beer. And I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was it's pretty, pretty laughable. And then I'm like, oh, ginger beer doesn't have alcohol. See, I'm learning something new. Like it's like root beer, right? Like in that category. But I was, but I was trying to you know, honor that I, I didn't want to drink alcohol. And so therefore I wanted to, sometimes I would, you know, early on get nervous that the bartender would mix up, you know, if I was ordering a mocktail, they would mix it up or forget and put liquor. And, you know, more than just like, I didn't want to smell that. I didn't, I don't want them to mix that up, but yeah. So it was, it was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I've had that happen where actually like I go like with a group of girlfriends and I used to love a margarita, like love a margarita because of the spice and the salty spice combination. Anyways, so I'll, I'll go out with these girls and they'll get normal ones and I'll always ask if they can do a virgin one and now there are tequila replacements which is awesome and if you guys haven't tried clean co i think clean co is now in the us but it's a guy over here in the uk who's actually on made in chelsea but anyways he started it it's really good so some of the like nicer bars and restaurants have that here where was i going with the story okay yes so we'll order like two regulars and a virgin and they bring it and it's just it's a testament to how much i don't want it in my life i'm like Everybody make sure that this is the one that without alcohol, everyone drink this. I do not want it in my life.
1: <laughs>
0: well, because uh, I mean, the smell
1: of it is so strong now to me that it really, I mean, I would know, we would know, right? Like if it wasn't, but it's just, I don't even want to have it up near my nose anymore. It's so strong. <laughs> it's amazing how your senses are so much stronger when you don't yeah. drink. That's something that I find to be just an amazing benefit in a good way when it comes to taste buds and, and things like that, enjoying meals. But, but it's, I'm like, gosh, it, how long year, 20 some years, I would not have been able to really, I, I never paid attention to, or my senses were dull enough that I didn't notice. Right. And so, yeah, I, I totally get that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's so true. I actually found an old bottle of Casamigos, which was my tequila, like above the kitchen refrigerator or something somewhere recently. And I went and it didn't have very much left. And so I went to like dump it out. Not that I would have kept it anyways, but I went to dump it out and even dumping it into the sink. I was like, Ah!"
1: (laughs) yes, this is a question I have. I don't know what your take is on this, but do you serve alcohol at your house? Like, so if you're, you know, having a holiday party or whatever do you serve alcohol how, how do you handle that
0: yeah such a good just a good yeah such a good question so i've done an easter i've done a couple baby showers and you know what my ideas and my thoughts about whether or not i serve have definitely changed over time and to be 100% honest i don't know exactly where i'm landing right now we're about to have a christmas party with a bunch of friends at like a couple non-drinkers but mostly drinkers and I was actually thinking of saying, like on the invitation, bring your own wine. But I don't know. I'm wrestling with it. Like as someone that loves to host, like is that being a bad hostess? I actually don't know the answer to this meet. I'm still the jury's still out. I think knowing everything that I know about the health risks of alcohol, it's so hard for me to watch people that I love dearly with all of my heart drink it. I don't know. I'm jury jury's still out on this one. What do you think?
1: yeah so i mean i've yeah i'm just like you i think it's evolved over time to where in the beginning i almost enjoyed the freedom that i felt in being able to serve my guests like whatever they wanted and the like the complete it, it was just like more you know proof for me that i truly was free from alcohol that i could serve it to them and not even think twice about it and so early on for sure I was fine with buying it and serving it. I mean, I definitely, you know, did not have the plethora, like it wasn't frantic trying to make sure I had it, you know, like I would have if I, if I had been drinking it, but I had something to offer people, but now it's definitely evolved to where people know that if they want to drink something, you are more than welcome to bring whatever you want to drink, but I won't be serving it just because... I mean, I'm like, I want to benefit from the cost savings, number one, that I don't have to buy. Like one of the great things is I don't have to spend that money anymore. And then number two, and the bigger piece, what you just hit on, it's that, it's that knowing how poisonous it is, how toxic it is. And it just is something for me where I I don't want to contribute to that personally, but I am, but no judgment, like if you're drinking around me, if you want to bring wine to my house or have a drink at my house, like you, you do you just don't want to be the one kind of offering it anymore.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it is really hard. It is really hard. And I guess it goes back to like all of these things that we're talking about of it it just being so societally ingrained in us that it belongs at some, some sort of party. And so therefore, if you're not as the hostess serving it, like, are you not... Somehow giving the the guests like the proper full experience. And like, I know in my heart that like, you don't need alcohol to have a good party. So yeah, I mean, I'm just like kind of coaching myself here through this, but I just, I don't really know. It's really interesting. We should come back to this after, <laughs> after I have this Christmas party and see what I end up doing.
1: Yeah. Well, and I was thinking too, like you said, like, am I being a bad hostess? And you think about like, well, what is a bad hostess? an intent like a good hostess in my opinion is someone who comes from a loving open-handed generous place who you know wants to break bread with people wants to be connected to people wants to serve them through offering them you know food and beverage and and this is kind of just you know happening live too but it's it's the idea of like what's the most loving thing i can do yeah for someone is to offer them, you know, something within what I'm comfortable providing, but that doesn't mean that might be different for somebody else. Like, I think that's a place for exploration for anybody is like, how am I the most, what kind of a hostess do I want to be and what kind of qualifies that, you know, for me?
0: Yeah. Here's another really good one that's that's like kind of along the same lines. When you go out with girlfriends and everybody is drinking and you're not, do you have them take alcohol off the bill? Absolutely. I I pay (laughs) separately. Yes. Yes, absolutely.
1: One of the benefits of being free from alcohol is I don't have to pay for that anymore. And so, yes, I do. But I have also learned the really hard way with that, that it absolutely can get it can create a stink it can be very people can feel judged i get it but it's it's also so i've learned that when i'm going out with a group of girlfriends i'm gonna have cash myself and i'm gonna pay like i'm gonna have a separate i usually ask for just a separate ticket and then that way i'm you know just doing my thing and everybody else is splitting the rest of it what do you do
0: Yeah. I mean, I've done a a variety of things at this point. Like I have, I have a, a one like girlfriend and she's one of my like closest friends. Anytime she's at a table and it doesn't matter if it's three women or 50, she'll be like, okay, separate checks, this person. And she'll sit there with her calculator and she will ensure. So I'm like, so blessed to have her as a friend. Sometimes though, like in London, the mocktails are just as much as the cocktails. So in that case, if I'm ordering like an $18, 16 pound, whatever cocktail, I won't say anything. But yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. It all comes back, both the hostess question and this question come back to what, why are we so concerned and wrapped up in what other people think, <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, exactly. And where do we find that confidence to... And I think it it, it is in that kind of going inward and getting really clear for yourself, like what... What aligns for you with your integrity in those situations i I will say this is probably annoying for people that have been with me before, but when they when a restaurant charges me the cocktail price when i've you know asked for the cocktail or you know said hold the hold the liquor and I, I I make them take it back and i'm like, i'm not paying for like there's you know there's no alcohol there's no vodka that's- in there. <laughs> Yeah. So you can charge me the soda price, right? Like, you know, and, and, and I know that's annoying, probably, it's probably embarrassing for some people who are with me, but I don't care. I'm like, I'm not paying $18 for uh um, yeah, soda water a and, a,
0: and a garnish. Yeah. 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 And a lot of restaurants
1: and bars, like where they're making their money is off of the liquor because it is so marked up, but yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Yeah. What, so what do you normally tell clients that come to you and are like, this is, this is one of their main pain points is I am so scared to tell friends that I am on a break or have decided not to drink for a little bit or whatever their deal is. Like what, what do you tell them?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's where it's, it's kind of getting really clear on how, like what the situation is and what you can, how you can prep for it ahead of time, whether like you said earlier, looking up the menu ahead of time and picking, you know, going which is something by the way that I like to do. I've always liked to do. I always look at menus (laughs) ahead of time because I love to see what the food offerings are. And it used to be, I like to check out what, what wine I was going to have ahead of time. So I still, I still do that. So I would say like, you know, going into a situation where you're unsure you can do to prep for that. It's good. And then also like, you know, visualization is one of my favorite tactics for any unknown or new or first time a thing that you're experiencing AF is the idea of visualization. So like picture yourself from start to finish, like, what are you, what are you wearing? What are you ordering? You know, who's there, what's happening. And like Michael Phelps does when he trains with broken goggles or fogged up goggles or no goggles and there therefore is an event and is not, you know, not thrown off by that. If that happens, same kind of thing for these situations where, you know, kind of knowing ahead of time, what you're going to, what you're going to order, what you're going to say to people, if they ask you having that confident, response and then also visualizing like what are those potential things that that could come up that you know as long as your your brain is familiar with visualization is great because your brain is already familiar with this happening and so it gives that it it doesn't cause the panic in the moment so those would be my suggestions for sure what about you I love that.
0: Yeah, I definitely am really, really into the whole making a plan thing and visualizing and everything you said. I think it's so incredibly helpful. I also think it's so helpful and it was very helpful for me to remind myself that if there is, first of all, two things. First first is that we make it a bigger deal than it normally ends up being anyway a yes. lot less people actually care what you're whether you're not you're drinking or not we make Thank it a lot bigger in our head like story 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 we make up the stories of what it's going to be like and it ends up like normally 99.9% of the time not being that big of a deal but the 0.1% person is always the person who you know you hold up a mirror right and they and this is what really helped me is like the people that get I could say mouthy, get really mouthy about me not drinking are the people that by me not drinking, it's setting off alarm bells in them. And they're thinking, oh, Christy's taking a break. Holy guacamole. Does that mean I have to take a break? And then because of because of the society we live in, I have to take a break equals I'm an alcoholic equals I have a problem equals I have to label myself equals I have to go to meetings for the rest of my life, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So. It really helped me. And then I saw it and it it was, it it was a handful of people and they did that. And and normally it really sounds like, you know, they'll get defensive about their own drinking. And then my favorite thing is when they tell you what a good drinker they are. So when they're like, I drink, but I also am in the head of the PTA and I am a kickass X, Y, Z as my job and I am doing all the things and I'm a superstar mom and I never mix soccer practice. And I'm like, okay, I didn't ask. Like I, you get a gold medal for being a gold medal drinker, but like, it has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? Has that happened to you?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, well, yeah, those are such good. Those are two such good, really, really, really good points because it is that whole kind of mirror phenomenon because also, I was the person doing that at yeah, times before I found freedom from alcohol. I was the person that, I mean, the number one thing. Well, it's funny. I remember the shift, and I'm like, wait, am I too old now? Is that why people don't assume that I'm pregnant? Like, but for the longest <laughs> time, when you when you say you're not drinking, the automatic assumption is that you're that you're pregnant. I've been called out on it before when I was legitly, you know, legit pregnant. But but it is that, I, and i you know having been the person who was Like, wait, why aren't you drinking? Like, what do you mean you're not drinking? And feeling, I mean, there were times that I felt disappointment that one of my girlfriends or several of my girlfriends, whoever I was with at the time, if they were taking a break or if they were pregnant and not drinking, I felt disappointment that they wouldn't be drinking with me. And so, I get, I mean, it's hard to admit that, but it's true. And oh, yeah, I I felt mean, selfless, I take, yeah, 100%. I take full responsibility for it. And so, I can see where. That ends up being that kind of mirror for somebody else who maybe is questioning their own drinking or is super attached to drinking and what that looks like. And so therefore someone saying, I'm not drinking. And maybe the comparison does come in like, well, gosh, if me thought she had a problem and needed to not drink, then maybe, you know, maybe, wow, what does that say about my drinking? And I think that also just goes back to human human nature that, most of us are thinking about ourselves. We think that other people are thinking about us or making judgments of us or you know, whatever, and they may at, at times, but most people are really, it's like, okay, how does this affect me? What does this have to do with me? And so that I think is super helpful in, that was early days, that was super helpful in me realizing that like any pushback I got came from a place potentially of someone who was feeling threatened perhaps by that mirror that I, you know, wasn't drinking and, and what it maybe meant for them.
0: Yeah, totally. We had, um, like a wild and wacky, like just drank through this whole summer. I want to say maybe that was summer of 20, maybe 29, 2019. Yeah. And we got back to London after being in the States and my one girlfriend who was with me for part of the trip, she's one of my closest, closest friends. She said, I'm going to do sober September. And I was so mean to her. I was so mean to her. And it was also her birthday during September. So I was like, what do you mean? You're not going to drink on your birthday? Like, that's going to be unfun. And like, I did all that. I did all of it. And it 100% came from a place of, I thought, oh my gosh. First of all, I was like, like kind of, you know, upset that I wouldn't have a drinking partner. I wouldn't have someone Mm -hmm. that was like drinking at my level, all these other things. And I've since gone back and I apologized. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone back and I've apologized and I've also like asked her to permission to share this story because I do share it a lot, but I gave her a really, really hard time because I was scared because I was scared. And so I think that if anyone that's listening to this podcast, if anybody is listening to this podcast, if you can remember that, you know, if you do have a girlfriend that gives you a hard time, it's it actually has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and how they're framing your decision, like, which is ultimately about your own health and well-being in their own, with their own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: I think that's where offering, you know, compassion, if possible. I think that is a place where kind of diminish the hostility that I would naturally feel for somebody who's giving me pushback about something I'm excited about or confident or, you know, want to share. And that compassion for like kind of knowing what it feels like to be in that in that spot, and and thinking that like it comes from a place, and knowing what we know through the work that we do that. It is a very fear-based kind of response. And and so it does point back to something in them that feels maybe insecure about this in whatever, you know, way, whatever way that looks for them. So I think that's where also I'm able to offer compassion, if not initially, eventually for any kind of negativity that's that's, you know, given in response to me not drinking and and a I didn't know what I didn't know then and they don't know what they don't know and I think it also goes back to we get this question a lot right like how I'm I'm so excited about my freedom from alcohol life and I want to share this with people and so kind of similarly not just like how do we answer questions about you know us not drinking when we're out and how our culture has you know created this environment for it to be weird to be a non-drinker right although that's shifting as we're seeing. So so similarly thinking about, you know, we get this question a lot of like you know, I am excited about this and I want to be able to share this with people I love and so how do I do it so that I'm not preaching, I'm not coming out hot and, and making people uncomfortable and you know, I, the, I, this is what I have learned through my own personal experience. Showing and not saying is the best way for us to help loved ones, help friends, if, you know, people don't take advice that they're not asking for. So yeah, just kind of really, again, going back to that, like going inward and inwardly focusing on what is right for you and being confident in that for you, the outflow from that space that the potential for influence is great. I mean, I've had multiple friends find freedom from alcohol since I did. Not because I not because I coached them. I didn't even know that they, you know, were working on this, but, you know, months later have come to me and said, "Hey, by the way, listen to this. Like I found freedom from alcohol because I watched what you did and now I'm free." And I think that's something to consider as well. What totally. about you?
0: Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. Yeah, same. And I just I think I got really loud and loud on my on my Instagram, on my personal Instagram before I started the coaching thing. And I had so many friends just, you know, ask questions about it. Like and questions from girlfriends from like literally junior high school and people that I had like all the seasons of my life were asking questions and then, you know, I wasn't necessarily like coaching at at that point, was in the very, very beginning. It was really in the beginning. I was just like, oh my gosh. Like I remember getting on like an Instagram story and I was like, you guys, I went out to dinner last night and I didn't drink and I laughed and it was amazing. And like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was possible. And so exactly what you said is just like show, not tell. Um, A hundred percent. And then the same thing happened. Like one of my really good girlfriends like just stopped and I didn't even really know it until I went to her house for a dinner party. And she's like, oh, I stopped drinking. Like, it's so awesome. And I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't you text me? And she's like, I didn't want to make it a big deal. And I'm like, well, it's a big deal. It's amazing. (laughs) You know? yeah, Yes.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where it comes. Yeah. Again, like coming back to this theme of, you know, feeling feeling good about what aligns with our integrity and that's where we also are less worried about what other people are thinking and when you are showing up as you know truly like blissfully joyfully not drinking and people notice notice the changes i know i mean i i love here i know the changes that i i have made and I love hearing when people notice the difference and that, that just speaks volumes to, I mean, I'm not an anti-alcohol evangelist by any means. Like if you, if it works for you, like whatever works for you is fine, but also I love being able to share what I've learned because there was a long time that I did, you know, 20 some years, I had no idea, you know, and if you can help someone get unstuck from the misery that is being stuck in that cycle, you know, I'm happy to help, but yeah.
0: And also, too, it's like all it kind of takes is one in your group. So, like, I'm sure this has happened to you, you too, where, like, you'll coach someone that comes to you with this exact worry of, like, what do I tell my girlfriends? Oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous to, like, you know, go into social situations and not drink. And then because they're brave and because they turn down the alcohol – They open the door, right? And they open the door for somebody else to question. And then that person is like, oh my gosh, like, oh, you're not drinking? Like in a good way. Not in a like, you know, how we used to like, you know, (laughs) light people on fire for saying they were taking a break from alcohol, but like in a good way of like, oh, what's that like? What does that mean? Does it you know, and then and then you really do end up doing such an amazing service to your friends because you're make you're taking away all this stigma that we're talking about of it being weird.
1: That is so true. And it, I mean, all it takes is one person for, I mean, I hear those stories all the time. And I mean, I see it too. It's, it's that idea that like, I mean, you may be miserably drinking, but who else in your circle may also be miserably drinking, but they're scared to do anything about it too. And so it takes one person being that kind of rebel's quote with the air quotes, the rebel of the group. Doing something differently and what that offers for everybody else is, is tremendous. We make a lot of assumptions about the fact that like, I'm the only one that is miserable in this drinking cycle. And so nobody else is worried about this. Nobody else is dealing with this. Nobody else is frustrated with this and nobody else is trying to figure out what to do about this, but I'm not so sure that that is true or was true for me. I just happened to be the first one in in my circle that actually was like, "Enough is enough. I've got to find a better way." So who knows? Who knows? You know, we make a lot of assumptions, but again, going back to our our stories, we've got to check those stories and and call them out.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's so true. And so. It's just. It's one of the things that you know. Other people, I think, is probably. If I'm thinking back to what held me or like, I guess, kept me stuck the the most, it was definitely one of them is other people. And so I think just the fact that we're having this conversation and that we can hopefully offer some encouragement to anybody listening that like, it's possible it ends up being such an incredible thing that you can you know, affect change in your friends in such a good way, that it's actually not that big of a deal, that we're making it so much more in our heads. And like we said in the beginning, just like planning, doing a good, good visualization exercise, checking the menu, all of these things are so helpful. And then I think just repetition, I think we said that, but like repetition of just yeah, it probably is going to feel funky the first few times. And it's, you know, it'll feel funky with different people. Oh, this is what a good one I was going to say. Sometimes I offer this as a homework assignment to my friends, not my friends, my coachees, my my clients that are really struggling with the other people, girlfriends thing. And I just say, listen, pick one trusted friend. Pick one trusted friend that maybe is your best, best friend or whatever it is, but someone that you really care about and go to dinner, go to dinner. And just practice yes.
1: right. Get that rep get that rep under your belt. Yep. For get sure. the rep
0: under your belt and then do it with two people. You know, and don't necessarily you don't have to necessarily go into the Christmas party or whatever party and announce, you know, and start preaching like to everybody like we did. But, like we did.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you guys everyone learn from our mistakes please
1: we can tell you what to do based on what we did and how it blew up terribly but and i love that because i i love what annie says about this too i've heard her explain it this way like these alcohol free first like and that's why i I love when you mentioned earlier that it took like about a year for you to feel kind of confident because like a, a year gives you that chance to kind of go on that af vacation, you know, first af vacation, first maybe af wedding, first dinner out, whatever it is, birthday, all of all of those things, maybe hopefully not, but maybe some kind of tragedy, you know, being able to go through that af, that year's t- year time gives you that opportunity, but you know, it's 90 she she said this once it's 90% hard on all the first times. Yeah.
0: But yeah. after that,
1: it's like 20% hard, maybe if that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember her saying that too. Yeah. So good. It's just
1: that it's just that it's new and it's different. And another kind of tool I like to give people as well is when they're going into these You know, so say you have a holiday party coming up or you're, you know, you're in dry January and you're like, I've got this, you know, dinner, like using the like kind of experiment mindset or scavenger hunt, cheesy, corny, whatever scavenger hunt mentality of, you know what, I know what this event looks like drinking. I've done that a million times. Like I, I knew what vacation drinking looked like. I hadn't ever been on vacation without alcohol before. I knew what that looked like but it was really exciting to go into a vacation alcohol-free with this like blank canvas and this kind of like curiosity mindset of like, what can I find in this experience alcohol-free that I get to experience that if I was drinking, I wouldn't be able to find and I wouldn't be able to experience. And so I also offer that as a way of creating a little bit of, if you're feeling nervous about going to the dinner or the event or whatever it is, you know, make it a scavenger hunt. I'm going to find three things tonight that I get to experience that I wouldn't have otherwise, if, if I'd been drinking and, and that helps kind of focus the mind and takes that kind of nervousness and channels it into kind of more anticipation and excitement. And when you feel better you create better better outcomes. So, so cheesy scavenger hunt for the win. Who doesn't love a good scavenger hunt, right?
0: It's so good and it's not actually that like that difficult to come up with things to think about discovering because normally they're all the things that we actually enjoy about, like, going to said event, right? So, like, it's the food. It's the music. It's all these things that you get to enjoy that normally get numbed out, blurred out, like, dumbed down, all those things when you're drinking. So it's also just such a good opportunity, opportunity to, yeah, like, realize, like, what's fun for you and what's not. And, oh, my gosh, we could go on and on. But we're already, like, going to wrap this episode up. But, you know, like, it's just so good. I love it. I love that tip. That's awesome. Awesome. Yes, so good. girl. So such fun. A, such a good chat. Such a good chat. To learn more. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com. And make sure you follow us over on the gram at love, life sober with Christy and mead at I'm not sober, I'm free. Underscore.
1: To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at Meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com.
0: Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two.
1: And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify.
0: This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement.
1: Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.